Welcome to the Christy Taylor Show. I'm your host, Christy Taylor, and you are inside the Taylor Tilton Hour. Super excited to have you here. And of course, you can watch us every Tuesday at 10 on Comcast. As a matter of fact, we're going to be going to Rome, Georgia very soon. So make sure you stay in the loop on that. But on today, I'm super excited to have as my special guest all the way, not from Rome, but we're talking north of the border in Canada, Dwayne Morgan. He's a two-time national poetry slam champion, author, and producer. He's Canada's spoken word guru. Now, he founded Up From The Roots Entertainment in 1993 while he was still a student in high school to promote the positive artistic contribution of African-Canadian and urban-influenced artists. Now, over the Thanksgiving weekend here in 2021, the 22nd annual Wind Brothers Speak Spoken Word Concert further explores his legacy of the spoken word. Now, this curator, producer, and host of Wind Brothers Speak, Morgan has put together the best of the best. It's because he's the best. The special lineup for this year's concert features performances by Ontario first Port Laureate, Randell Aju, Toronto's Patrick Waters, Hamilton's Eddie Larte, and a special guest, Ovi West from Las Vegas. Now, Morgan, he spends his time sharing his poetry and the secrets to his success with audience throughout the North American continent, the Caribbean, and Europe. Now, this speaker spends countless hours working with young people, and he loves advocating for gender equality through his work. I want you to help me welcome to the Christy Taylor Show, the one, the only, Dwayne Morgan. Okay. I don't know why I'm extra hyped today. I'm really going to say I'm extra hyped. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it's because you're a poet and most people don't know this, but I'm a poet too. I mean, I have a little poetry book, but nothing in comparison to the career that you've had with a spoken word. Mm. And I'm looking forward, Dwayne, to learning so much about you. Uh, Can you run it back for us? Now, we don't have to go all the way to the birth city, but uh, where are you born? And tell me, how did you fall in love with poetry? So I was born in uh, Toronto, Canada. My my family's all from Jamaica, so I'm the first generation of the family born outside of the islands. And um, it's a very interesting story in terms of, you know, how I got involved with poetry. And, you know, when I was in high school, I was the president of our Black students group, and we didn't have a whole lot of Black students at our school to begin with. And I was putting on a talent show and I got my friends from all different schools to, to come and to perform in this talent show. And then I realized that the audience was going to be there and was going to be watching all of my friends and nobody ever applauds the person in the back putting the whole show together. So I had to ask myself, when you have no talent, how do you get into the talent show? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, I can't rap. I can't sing. I can't dance. Maybe I should try to write a poem. So I wrote mm-hmm. a poem and that poem changed my life. Everything else just blossomed out of that. So I never had this love of poetry or storytelling. I am actually uh, a complete uh, introvert who does not like speaking to or in front of people. However, I make my living speaking to and in front of people. So (laughs) it's a a very ironic thing that happens. But as they say, you know, there's no mistakes. There's no coincidences. Everything was just divinely how it was supposed to happen. You know, I love that story because oftentimes you do have that poet who talks about when they're three years old and they scribbled something on the piece of paper. But you were Mm. actually, I'm going to say this, an event producer. (laughs) And it's like, hey, now I'm going to get my limelight. I'm going to get my shine. Um, That's pretty much how it went. 
Well, Dwayne, do you remember that first poem? Because that's a life-changing poem by chance. Do you remember mm. any of the the? Uh... Um, I know it was it was called "In Search of the True Brother," and it was looking at. Um, I don't remember the exact lyrics, but I know it was looking at, you know, the stereotypes about being, you know, young and black and and male, and you know what that was like. And unfortunately, a lot of things haven't changed. You know, generations that have that have passed. But it was really, it was just really about my reflections on what it was like growing up to be young and black. Wow, you know, there's a song that kind of comes in my head. Young, this dead and black. Okay, now see, mm -hmm. I'm I'm messing all the way up. I'm going into the song mode. Uh, but you know something, <laughs> I'm really I'm interested. So once you realize that poem. Um, had thrust you into a, a place and a space that you had not planned for. How did you cultivate your gift? Um, I mean, the cultivation, I think, was really just a matter of time and having people around me who saw that there was a gift, who saw that, that something was there. Because I think for a lot of us, um, it's easy to to see the gift in ourselves and then say, ah, no, nah, it's not really a gift. But I was surrounded by people who were like, no, you have something. That is something that you have to, you know, pursue. And it's, especially as a young person, it's so easy to not believe in yourself and to not believe that you have worth or value or a gift or something that the world needs. So I'm very grateful to uh, the people who I found in my life at that time. Um, and a lot of adults who, you know, saw me and they sought out opportunities for me and they didn't even know me. They didn't have to do it. It's just like, they just saw something in this kid and said, you know what, let me invite you here, come and volunteer at this and you might meet some people. And I would just be like, oh, okay. Cause prior to that, I had no clue where my life was going. I had no real direction and, you know, just random people started coming around and, and showing me away. And, um, I think that's really how I cultivated it and why even today I do so much giving back to others because so much was given to me, um, even when I didn't know that I needed it. Wow, Dwayne, I just love the fact you had so many earth angels <laughs> who were placed on your path to um, foster that gift in you. And one of the things that I'm finding very interesting, because as you said, you actually wrote the poem because you had put on an event uh, and you were noting, it's like, well, how does the person in the back um, get they shine? I'll say it like that. Mm -hmm. But I find that even at 13, you still found a way to broaden that by creating your own entertainment company. I mean, that's, come on now. If 13 year olds are not always thinking about, hey, up from roots entertainment, you know? So um, in addition to you uh, finding a new path as a spoken word poet, uh, as a poet, you also created an organization to foster that. Can we talk about what was in your 13 year old mind that still is in existence today? Uh, you know what? I think it's one of those things where I grew up, as I mentioned, with my my family were immigrants from Jamaica, and oftentimes, you know, when people come to North America as immigrants, they often have to put their own dreams aside, and they often have to to do jobs that they don't want to do, and they just do things to make ends meet. And as a result, I would always hear my my parents coming home and complaining about work and complaining about coworkers. And from a very young age, I work just sounded like the worst possible thing that a human being could do. So I grew up telling myself, I have no desire to work because work just sounds horrible. So for <laughs> me, I always knew that I was going to try to find a way to live life that was free of work.
And I always tell people when I go out and I do speaking engagements and that sort of thing, I say, I don't recall working because what I do today is fun. It's passion. You know, I, I look forward to waking up and seeing, you know, what's on the to-do list for today. So I've managed to do that. I've managed to live a life where I don't work. I just get up and I have fun every single day. And I feel like my life has purpose and there's a mission behind it. And it's it all just just constantly feeds me over and over again. So I think that's really where that mindset came from, where just work just sounded like the most horrible thing any person could do with their life. And that led you to establishing up from the, up from the roots. roots. Yep. Okay. Yeah, Brick is introduce us to that, um, your company. All right. So up from the roots, um, the, the name of the company is based on a quote from Marcus Garvey. And Marcus Garvey was uh, a Jamaican uh, national hero who went to the States. He was big in the Pan-African movement, trying to get Black people to go back to Africa. And he had a quote that said, a people without history of their, a people without knowledge of their history is like a tree without roots. So I wanted to start uh, a business called Up From The Roots, which was all about entertainment, but also connecting that to our history and our present uh, to ensure that other young people knew their history so that we weren't repeating generational mistakes so that we could actually grow and blossom and and do some of the things that we really wanted to do. Because again, um, so many of the people that I was around also had parents who were from Africa or the Caribbean. And, you know, the Black population in Toronto is, is still very young compared to, say, the one in most places in the United States. So a lot of us are first generations here. So we have one foot in the old world of our parents and one foot here in this North American reality, which gives us a very unique perspective on what is going on around us. And so I really thought it was important that we honor where we all came from, understood what our history was, so that we could plant something that was sustainable in the present. You know, uh, Morgan, um, Dwayne Morgan, I just got to say first and last name with you, Dwayne Morgan, <laughs> bravo to you that you had already um, been quite insightful, even as a teenager. And what lends to the longevity, what tends to lend to our longevity is when we understand past, present, and future. And you already had that concept even as a teenager. So I applaud you, um, past and present and future. <laughs> uh, so your particular organization was committed, as you say, to the arts. And I had an opportunity, and if you all would love to learn more about Dwayne Morgan, please go to his website, DwayneMorgan.ca. Um, there's actually a video on there that I found very um, intriguing that talked about your commitment to the arts in Canada. Can you further explain um, what you actually built over the last um, 10 to 20 years? To put it in so, perspective. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, starting off as a teenager, a lot of places didn't want me in their venue, didn't want teenagers in their venue, definitely didn't want racialized, you know, teenagers in their venues. So, you know, I had to figure out and get creative about, you know, where I could produce events and, you know, how I could find ways to um, show young people that they had talent and that their talent mattered because, you know, the, the worst thing is to not invest in young people and see all of that brilliance go in a negative direction. And even though I was young, I was still looking out for other young people. And I, I understood how important it was to create these spaces where we could actually just get on stage and, and show off our, our talents and just kind of see what happened. So, you know, I would rent out, you know, 
gyms. You know, one of the first shows that I that ever became really popular was a show that I did called Black Love. And it was all these teenagers and I made a, I put a dress code on it. So you had to like dress up to come to the show. So you had all these, you know, young men in their Sunday's best with their ties and their dress pants and all the ladies, you know, looked real nice, but we were in a gym. So everyone was there and you're watching, you know, there's a band and the singers and comedians and poets. And then there's a glass and you look at the glass and there's somebody on a treadmill and somebody on an elliptical machine and whatever. So it's just the juxtaposition between all of these dressed up young people and all of these people working out. But it was the only place that I could get. It was the only place that said, sure, come and do your event here. So sometimes you just got to take what is in front of you and use it, build whatever it is that you want to build. And um, my entire career has really been about that. So I grew up in the east end of Scar of Toronto, a place called Scarborough. And in 2013, the city of Scarborough mm -hmm. inducted me into their walk of fame for what I've been able to do with my life to this point. So inside of the, the Scarborough Town Center shopping mall, in front of the H&M, there's a star in the ground of the shopping mall that says Dwayne Morgan on it for what my contribution has been uh, to the arts and culture of that part of the city. Wow, Dwayne Morgan. I got to come to Toronto so I can see that star. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Okay. So to segue into understanding what that star represents. So over the last 20 years, you have been creating content yourself because you have numerable books, albums, events. Um, what was the first book and the first album that you dropped committed to your own art? Uh, so the first book was called um, uh, Straight from the Roots, and um, it played on the name of the business, Up from the Roots. And it's so interesting because there was two women um, who were at that very first show where I did that very first poem. They worked at an, at an organization that actually loaned me the money to do that yeah. first book. So again, it was just all these things that just happened from that first poem. And, you know, I ended up, you know, paying back the organization. I ended up um, doing a, a summer leadership camp with that organization for 10 years where I was able to work and inspire other young people. Um, so that was the first book. And then my first album was called Another Level. And, you know, just to age myself, my first album came out on cassette. So Ooh. that is how long ago it was. That's that nothing wrong first... with the cassette. Nothing <laughs> wrong with the cassette. Okay. So my, my first album came out on cassette and then we moved into to the CDs. Wow. So, okay. When it comes to your approach, because I did have a chance to, uh, once again, check out his website, go to DwayneMorgan.ca, also Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, but your YouTube channel, I saw you performing at Lula Lounge. Did I say that right? Lula yep, Lounge? Yep. Okay, so tell me about Lula's Lounge and the performance that you had, which seemed to be like a super cool uh, venue and a super cool night. Uh, tell me about Lula Lounge and that performance. So I've had a long history with Lula, Lula Lounge. I've probably been producing shows there maybe for about 15 years. Wow. They are a, um, a Latin restaurant and club in, in Toronto. And they're all about, you know, live entertainment. And usually I do one or two shows there per year. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, when people think about poetry, they just kind of think of the traditional poetry reading. And this person's just going to go up to the mic and they're going to read their poem from their book. But every time, you know, I do my Lula Lounge shows, I get a band. Uh, sometimes I get dancers. Sometimes I get uh, backup singers. 
And I really think about, you know, what kind of music would go with this poem? Like, how can I totally change up how I present this poem to people? And when I work with the band, I never perform the same poem the same way twice. So wow. it's always uh, a one of one. If, yeah. So if anybody gets to see me perform with the band, whatever I do on that night, I will never do that again. Wow. And I think that's also part of, you know, how I ensure that people keep coming, that people keep supporting, because it's it's very easy to just get in your comfort zone and be like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to just keep doing this the same way over and over again. But I always have to challenge myself to, to get better, um, to do some different things. And I have to challenge the musicians to do some different things. And I never want to take the audience for granted because mm -hmm. you could be anywhere else, but you That's chose true. to be with me. So because yeah. you chose to be with me, I'm going to put in the extra work and give you something that you've never seen before. And do these poems, even though you may have heard the poem, you haven't heard it this way. You mm -hmm. haven't heard it in a reggae version. You haven't heard it in, you know, in a house music version. So we're always going to change it so that it's always something new and different. And I think people love and respect the fact that I appreciate them enough to do that. And I you think know, that's also part of why I've been able to live off of my art for the last 28 years. 28. It's been 28 years that this has been my full-time gig. Wow. Okay. Applause, 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 standing ovation. <laughs> That's amazing. That's beautiful. Cause a lot of times people don't understand that you really can, first of all, live off your art. Uh, and then particularly uh, as a poet. So, wow. Mm. Amazing. And I will say that while I was watching that particular set, uh, one poems stood out to me. Now, of course, you have, you know, a wide variety, but I got to say, uh, I was like, teach me you. Okay. Yeah. I love that one. I love that. Oh, okay. So so what was the inspiration beside, behind that poem and kind of put it in context for those who haven't seen it yet, but be sure to check mm -hmm. him out on his website and check out his YouTube channel. Uh, teach me you. Yeah. So teach me you is pretty much just a, um, a love poem really. And as you said, people can can find the video of it on uh, on YouTube, or you could go to Spotify and, and check it out. Um, but it's really a, a love poem, and it's it's basically kind of asking this this woman to teach me about you. Like if I really want to be an an expert in you and an expert at at loving you, instead of me just fumbling my way through it, teach me. Allow me to be the student who learns at your feet about what it is that you need, what it is that you want. Uh, so that's really the premise kind of behind that, uh, that particular piece. And, and yeah, that, that's one that, um, yeah, a lot of, it's gone over very well and a lot of people have really enjoyed. <laughs> yeah. For the romantic in all of us, all that, it was so spot on. It was so spot on. And I will say that, um, and I have to say that most poets who are male can really hit that chord pretty good. Uh, if they know, if they're really strong with their work as a wordsmith, um, mm -hmm. but you have a next level to it, which, which is understandable because you truly are a uh, spoken word guru. Uh, but I, I totally, totally was feeling the vibe, the music and everything. And as you say, the, the, um, the vibe of the space also lent mm -hmm. a lot to just the entire experience. Um, when it comes to, your poetry, I'm seeing that from day one, a lot of it has been about creating an experience through events and something that you've been celebrating in your 28 years, 22 um, 
annual event of When Brothers Speak. Now, when did you create that? Because you also had When Sister Speaks and a lot of different special uh, poetic and poetry events. So kind of tell me about the different ones and more so about the one that's coming up this Thanksgiving weekend. All right. So uh, When Brothers Speak is a show that I started way back in 1999. And it it started, I, I got an email about a poetry slam that was happening in Philadelphia. And at the time, I had no idea what a poetry slam was, but I've always been very curious. So instead of responding to the email and asking them what was this thing, I borrowed my mom's van and drove to Philadelphia so I could and find out what this thing was. And not only did I learn what it was, I ended up in the show. I met all of these awesome poets who were in the show. And I drove back and I was thinking to myself, you know what, people in Toronto would love all of these poets, but there's no vehicle for them to be there. And there's no reason for them to be there. So I had to create the vehicle. So I created a show called When Brothers Speak. And I said, I want this show to be a celebration of the voices of black men. And we would have black men from Canada and black men from the United States on stage together talking about their experiences through their poetry. And when I did the show in 1999, 400 people showed up. And I was like, what on earth is happening here? So I had no idea that it was going to be an annual thing. I was just trying to do this one-off thing. But instantly people were like, yo, when is the next one? So for the last 22 years, every November, I have produced this show where I put black men from Canada and black men from the United States on stage together to just speak about whatever it is that we want to talk about. It's completely uncensored. Each artist just has 20 minutes to say whatever's on their heart in their spirit. And they just go and they perform their, their hearts out. Now, we used to do it in a theater, in a 500 seat theater, but then the pandemic hit and we haven't been able to do that. So this is the second year we're doing it virtually. I know it's happening uh, this Thanksgiving weekend on the 27th, and then next week we'll make it available as a pay-per-view. People can't see it on the Saturday, then they can just go to my website and they can just pay and watch it. And um, the beauty of it is that now you don't have to be in Toronto to watch it. Now, because everything has gone virtual, we can you know, stream it to anywhere in the world, as long as you have an internet connection, you can have access to the show. So even going through this pandemic and all of the negativity, there is always something positive in whatever negativity that you're going through. And for me, the positivity is that I'm here talking to you. Because yes. if the show was just in Toronto, if, the if it was just in Toronto, there would be no reason for us to be having this conversation. But yes. whether people are in Memphis, California, New York, they can all tune in and be a part of the show. And that is the beauty of this moment of what we're all collectively going through. Wow. Thank you, Dwayne. You have really put everything in perspective. Even this show, like you said, uh, was birthed out of the pandemic going virtual. And because mm. of that, I'm also having an honor to speak to a, a legend in the spoken word space. Um, wow, I love it. So you have some special guests who are gonna be there. I mentioned them in the introduction, but I would love for you to just give us, put them in context on who they are, where they're coming from and what they lend to this special event. All right, so uh, Randell Ajay is the um, Poet Laureate of Ontario and that is something they, the government here just created that position um, last year. And um, it's based on a, a gentleman from a band called The Tragically Hip who passed away. 
and mm -hmm. they wanted to honor him in some kind of way because he was very poetic and very much into the arts. So they said they were going to create this position as of the poet laureate, who is pretty much the bridge between the government and the people. So mm -hmm. uh, Randella J is the first uh, poet selected to hold that position. Uh, he's a young man that I mentor and, and do a lot of work with. So I'm very happy that he's in that position. Uh, we have another poet named Patrick Walters, who is originally from St. Kitts in the Caribbean, but lives in Toronto now. So he's another one who kind of has that Caribbean aesthetic as well as this North American thing uh, mm -hmm. happening. Um, Eddie Lardy is um, <clears throat> originally from Ghana and lives in Toronto as well. So he has that. And, and Randell is also originally from Ghana as well. Their root, wow. Both of their roots are in Ghana. So they both have that continental Africa as well as North American uh, reality. As I've said, you know, me, Jamaica and Toronto. And then we have uh, Obi West representing the United States. And um, yeah, he's from Las Vegas and he's a, a brilliant uh, master with words. So I think it's, it's so great and I think it's so important to have this mixture of things. And I always say, especially, you know, to American artists, how important it is to watch and listen to a show like this, because what often happens, you know, based on the conversations I've had with people when I would be touring in the States and that sort of thing is that there's this idea that what it means to be black is dictated by the experience of Americans it doesn't take into account the experience of people in the Caribbean, in Africa, in Europe, etc. And it's important to realize that there isn't a monopoly on blackness and what blackness mm -hmm. is. So yeah. being black in Toronto is very different than say being black in Memphis or Mississippi or Tennessee or any of these places. It's a completely different history. And yeah. so I think there's a lot to be learned when we actually listen to people and be like, oh, I never even knew that. I never even thought of that. What makes that black person think that? Well, our history is very different. So, you know, one of the great things about America is that, you know, Americans do a great job of exporting their culture and their ideas. So people all over the world have this idea of what it means to be black based on hip hop culture, based on Hollywood and, and these sorts of things. But it isn't a, a complete picture because it leaves out the realities of right. Black people from Canada, from the Caribbean, from the continent, from Europe, and all of these things. Mm -hmm. So a show like this is so important because we're actually just listening to each other. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's such a lost art to just listen. Oh, we. And that's the power of poetry. It gives mm -hmm. us a creative way to, to speak, but also a creative way for us to listen. And thank you for the amazing uh, work that you've done over these nearly three decades and how you have definitely been a, a, a mentor to many. And the work that you have done speaks for itself. Um, if you don't mind, in the few moments that we have left, um, I just want people to also, because you are being introduced to our Mid-South region and those who are watching across the country and around the world, um, the stages that you've shared um, so they can understand once again the amazing talent that you are because I, I could say Alicia Keys and Drake um, but kind of give us a little bit more on on the, on the on the notable stages that you've been on and opportunities that you've enjoyed. Uh, so okay uh, first I guess with most recent prior to the pandemic hitting I had the opportunity to open up for Barack Obama uh, January 2020 and um, 
I was part of the festivities for uh, Super Bowl 46 in Indianapolis, Indiana. I've opened for Alicia Keys. I've been on stage with Russell Peters. I've worked with Drake. Um, and I've right now I've performed and toured in 18 countries uh, internationally. I've put out 14 books, nine albums. So uh, I've just been been grinding and just doing my thing. And I've, you know, been touring through the States and, and uh, all that good stuff. So it's just been an amazing journey, um, you know, and so much, so many opportunities to, to learn from, from people and to meet different people and have conversations with people. So I, I take none of it for granted. I feel totally blessed to be able to wake up every day and be happy not working. <laughs> Happy not working. I love it. I love it. Well, hopefully in the very near future, you will come to Memphis and not work uh, and just share your gift. And right. I really appreciate you, Dwayne Morgan. And for those who would like more information about this amazing poet, this spoken word guru, please go to his website, DwayneMorgan.ca. Also Instagram and Twitter, Facebook. And yes, you can also check out his YouTube channel and see him spitting. <laughs> with a full jazz band. I totally love that. Totally did. So uh, thank you, you Dwayne Morgan. You're gonna oh, make thank me you for having me. You know something? You're going to make me blow the dust off my poetry book. Oh, I'm going to have to do it. I'm about to do it. So thanks, everybody, for checking out the Christy Taylor Show. Up next, it's Tina Tilton. Be blessed, everyone. Be blessed. <laughs>